Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And this is episode 92. And this week's guest is the Detroit-born musician, producer, and composer, Zoe. Who you might remember was Cy Smith's recommendation back on episode 82. Zoe has built a great independent music career for himself as both a solo artist and a member of the Foreign Exchange Collective. With a career spanning since the early 2000s, Zoe is a prime example of doing it on your own, on your own terms. During our interview, we talk about his beginnings in music, becoming an independent artist, his time as a school teacher, what it took to make music into a serious career, and his time with the Foreign Exchange. So let's get into the interview with Zoe. You are somebody that I've known for a long time now, since you know the Renaissance Soul days. Yeah. Uh, I remember you used to send me your uh, CDs. I think the first CD that you ever sent me was uh, uh, Passion and Definition. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense, because that was the first, like, pro-press joint that, that I did. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I, I probably still have that CD somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you've all, you always, you know, you're one of those people that, that sort of build, built up your musical career, your fan base, you know, definitely from the ground up. And you've been a part of, you know, so many great projects, whether it's yourself or being a part of the Foreign Exchange. You know, like when you look back right now, sort of thinking about thinking back to that whole journey, you know, what really pops in your head about like how you were able to make it for so long? Um, I think mainly just persistence. Um, also coupled with uh, 
with a, a love for it, man, because, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, especially, you know, cats that are coming up brand new or, or you know, students that I've had um, who ask for advice as far as, you know, what what can I do now? You know, what what, what am I able to do to, um, I don't know. I don't even know if make it in the music industry is, is, is even a thing anymore. But, um, you know, I guess to, to become... Um, to, to work on your name and work on your product and all that stuff. And I'm, and I mean, first of all, you, like you have, you have to love it. Um, because as much as rewarding as, as rewarding as music has been, um, it's been equally, there's, there's the other side as well, as far as, you know, me wanting to pull out hair that I don't, I don't even have, um, <laughs> you know, so I mean the, the, I think the love is what sustains you. Um, you know, hitting hitting little landmarks, hitting little goals here and there, um, as well. Um, um, a lot of people's feet, a lot of people's feedback. I mean, you know, you get people sometimes. I had a guy here recently who, um, you know, hit me and was like, "Yo, man, you know, I had, a, you know, he, he had lost his father. Um, I think it was maybe a year ago, and he was like, you know, I can't remember what song it was, but." I think it may have been greater than the sun. He was like, you know, I played greater than the sun for my pops and, and he loved it. And, you know, this was like a couple of days before he passed. And he was like, you know, that song, you know, kept our family together and that type of thing. So, I mean, even, even stories like that, it's like, yo man, you know, he, um, me doing music. And what I tell people is like, you doing music, you know, somebody needs it. Somebody, somebody wants it. Like there's a, there's a need and a want for what you're doing. And, and, you know, that's what kind of keeps me, going when it, you know when i hit like a, a a valley point uh how are you able to sort of balance the the love of it all the love of music with the economics of it all that's the part um <laughs> and i guess that's you know that's um that's the million dollar you know, question that everybody man has. and yeah man um sometimes i don't know man um you know it's it's uh Sometimes it's, it's it's on a month to month month to month basis, um, you know. There's there's no contracts with this. There's no there's no um, there's no insurance plans with this. Um, you know, you have to really run it like a small business, um, and just like small business owners, just like entrepreneurs, you know, we we take a lot of risks. Um, it's very much high risk, high reward, um, and I think that. Um, going back to just where we come from, just, you know, the, the Detroit hustles harder mantra is very, very true. Cause I mean, you know, we're, we're all, we're all blue collar. Um, and you know, we, we get our hands dirty. We're not afraid to get down and, and, and go get it. And I think that that's, that's kind of part of it. I mean, it's, it's very much, it's very much a hustle. Um, it's, it's, you know, you're definitely going to get, you're definitely going to, um, get back what you put in, man. And, you know, I try to put in twice as much just because sometimes I, I know, you know, I, I know, it get, I know it gets rough economically, honestly. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, where you come <laughs> from, you know, mm-hmm. when, you know, when did you first start getting that inkling that you wanted to do music? When did that bug hit? Um, it wasn't until late, man. Cause I mean, before that it was, um, you know, I, I thought I was going to go to, 
the majors. You know, I was I was working on working on that hustle. <laughs> um, you know, my my thing my thing up until up until I was 22 years old was was baseball. So you know, the way that I'm passionate about music right now was the way I was passionate about sports and you know um, trying to break into the league some some kind of way. And um, I think eventually what happened there was well, number one, my knees got bad. And, um, number two, you know, I, I started losing, um, I started losing love for, for, for the game of baseball. I started le- losing love for, um, you know, kind of the politics around it. I think once, once I started playing college ball, I started seeing more of the business side. Um, and you know, it, it really didn't appeal to me. So, I mean, once, once it ended, um, I started putting, putting more, uh, putting forth more effort into music and, um, I don't know. It just kind of took off. I mean, I'd already, I had already t- learned how to play piano and taking lessons and all that as a, as a young kid. Um, but as far as me wanting to do it um, full time, it wasn't until I, man, it wasn't until I was like 23, 24, almost 25 years old um, when I would, you know, make stuff and then, you know, get feedback from some of my, some of my friends and some of my uh, musical peers who I respected and they were giving back positive feedback. And I was like, Oh well, shit, I may have, I may have something. Here. Right. What parallels did you see from your time, you know, trying to be a baseball player that would ultimately <laughs> help you in the music industry? Man, that's a really good question. Cause I say all the time it parallels, um, very heavily, um, as far as, the work regiment, the the practice regiment, um, you know, baseball and sports in general just teaches you pretty much just how to be disciplined. You know, even as far as like being on time for stuff, um, um, you know, going going harder. You know, uh, when you're in when you're in the weight room and you're working out with your your teammates, you know, you got folks pushing you, and you're you're able to, you know, reach different levels that you didn't even know that you can hit. Um, and applying that same principle to to music, um, you know, it, it helps out a whole lot because, you know, you're able to, uh, I don't know. I'm uh, like, I'm, I'm like naturally competitive. So, you know, I kind of see the entire, just, you know, I, I see my peers as even, even some of my teammates, I see as, as, you know, my, my, not necessarily the opposition, but my, my competition and it's friendly competition. Um, you know, like for example, with me and Fonte and, and Nicolay, I mean, we, the three of us have a, a friendly competition. You know, if, if, if Nick is releasing something, I'm like, oh man, I want to, I want to release something that's, that's better than that. And, you know, he feels the same way about me and the same with, with Tay. And, and, um, you know, it makes us, it makes all three of us sharper at our craft, I think. Right. You guys um, are always uh, putting out stuff around the same time. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's just, it's. It's kind of it's it's kind of a battle, but it's like an unwritten, you know, unspoken, you know, type of thing. Um, but like I said, I mean, when 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 it comes time to come together on stuff, and when it comes time to be on stage and perform together or collaborate on some music, you know, you you better believe you're gonna get the the A one stuff because you know I'm not I'm not sending no bullshit to Tay, and I'm not you know in the studio with with Nicolay, you know, just tinkering around on, on keys or, or the bass or whatever. Like we're, 
we're uh you know we're we're pretty much in the studio not you know almost almost kind of almost kind of like trying to impress each other and with that you know comes the the ultimate product i think right you guys are you know guys are like kind of like a baseball team yeah no no absolutely absolutely um you know with 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 the 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 role, you know, role players and, and everything, you know, that it's, um, it's really interesting how it works. Um, and I, and I love how, I love how it works. I love how it works out. And you kind of, uh, you, you spoke about how, like when you're in that sports mentality, you know, you always have other people to sort of push you sometimes yeah. in music that just doesn't happen. There's, you know, a lot of yes men around and whatnot. Yeah. How do you yeah. sort of, uh, get around that in music? Um, that's where you got to kind of have to do a self check. Um, I think, um, you know, keep the, keep, keep the folks around you who have, who have, uh, kind of sweated it out with you from, from the jump. Um, you know, I know for, I know for a fact that if Taya Nick, you know, doesn't necessarily like something that I, that I hand to them, they're going to let me know. Um, you know, it's not going to be, oh man, this is, this is fire. And, and, you know, you know, from the bottom of your heart, like it's not like, you know, they're just kind of saying it just to kind of gas you up. Like, nah, it's, it's, it's very much, um, uh, it's very much a, a, a blunt type of thing. And, you know, and vice versa, like we don't, we have a very, um, very legitimate quality control system, um, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be honest, man. You gotta be honest with your peers. Um, and also, you know, it's, it's not, a, you know, it's, it's only maybe three people that I will send my stuff to in the beginning anyway. Um, so I don't, I don't know. And I guess it's kind of cliche to keep that circle small, but it, it really helps, man, especially as far as quality control and, and, you know, keeping, keeping the yes man out of there and, you know, all of that stuff. And I mean, you know, we're, we're not, we're not raking in, we're not raking in millions of dollars to where we're really exposed to a lot of yes men like that. Um, so, you know, I guess, I guess that kind of helps. So, you know, we're still able to be very, very hands-on with our, with our, um, creative process and, and also, um, you know, with folks who, who are able to hear it first. During this time when you were transitioning out of the baseball world and you were sort of figuring out things being a musician, who were those sort of mentors, those people that you looked up to at that time that were giving you, um, you know, the positive feedback in regards to your music? Um, as far as live shows, you know, the first people I got with was the, uh, Gorilla Funk Mob. So they kind of, they kind of taught me, um, you know, just how, just, just kind of, you know, how, how that kind of goes as far as, you know, rehearsals and shows and, you know, sound check, all this, all this, all this, um, all this kind of technical stuff regarding, uh, music and what's being released and that type of thing. Um, my man, John Doe in, uh, in Atlanta, uh, DJ used to be for prophetics. Um, and Wazi, Wazi was a big was a big part of that um, in the beginning when I was uh, when he and I finally when he and I finally met and ironically two hours later did did stay with me. Um, after that, you know, he was a guy that I would kind of bounce ideas off of, or you know, he was one of the, he was one of the first ones that was like, "Yo, man, you gotta 
you got to move. Like you got to, you got to leave. You got to leave Michigan, man. Like, you know, you got to expand. And, you know, I, re- I remember, I clearly remember having that talk with him. Um, but he was, he was a big one. And then of course, uh, a year later I met, I met Fonte and Fonte became that guy. So those are probably the main three or four. Yeah, you've been able to sort of take your own sort of journey, your own sort of lane doing your music. When you're heeding yeah. advice from uh, from people like that, especially what Wajid said, you know, what was some of the things that you ended up doing? You know, what was some of those first steps to, you know, sort of going on your own journey? Um, well, the, the first big step was me getting fired from a sales job. Actually, I, I, I guess I didn't get fired. I don't know what I got. I guess <laughs> I did get fired. I don't I don't. I was able to collect unemployment, so shit. I guess I did get fired. I don't know, um, <laughs> but um, no, nah, it, it was it was really funny, man, because <clears throat> I was I was working this. Um, it was a pharmaceutical sales. It was medical supply sales in like '03 and '04, and they were slowly letting individually each one of the sales force. They were letting everybody go, so it was just to a point where we were just waiting to get our call, and. I ended up getting my call, um, went back to Troy, you know, in, in the office where it was based and all that. And they ended up, uh, ended up letting me go. And, uh, I was looking for another job, you know, pharmaceutical job. And I remember getting in the interview and, um, I had a, um, oh, what's it called? Not a flip book. I I can't think of the name of it. But it's basically it's basically a a a book of 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 you, um, you know, where it's it's pictures, it's you know, however you want to do it, pictures, narration, um, text, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of put this book together, and I, you know, slid it on the table to the lady, and she's looking through it, and she was like, "Why are you here?" And I was like, "Huh?" She was like, "Why don't you do music? Like, why don't you just? Because everything I had in there was music related." Right. So, you know, I got me on the keys. I got me on the bass. I think I had a picture of me on the drums. She was like, why aren't you doing music? Like, why aren't you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. And I remember leaving there and, and getting on the phone, got my, my parents on the phone. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking they're going to meet me with some type of opposition. And they were basically like, yo, man, we're, we're behind you 150%. And I was like, huh? And pretty much from there, it was like, you know, I knew I could do it, um, you know, because I'm like, yo, I got, I've got my parents co-signing this. So, you know, what's anybody else going to say to me? And, you know, I, that's pretty much what I did until I moved to Maryland in, in 06. Um, of course, at that time, I had to get a job because, I mean, you can't live out on the East Coast with <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, starting out with no, with no job. That's pretty much just not going to happen. Um, but I mean, it was it was then I, st- I started like a sales job here, and then uh, I started teaching teaching music. So you know, I was able to to teach what I was doing, and also kind of include what I was doing with with the kids that I was teaching. Um, and then that school closed, so then you know that was 2011. I've been doing music full time ever since. So it was kind of a it was kind of a progression. And even with that, even with that so-called pro- progression, it was still like, you know, peaks and valleys in that as well. Because it's like, you know, you uh, the school closes, you just kind of thrown in the fire at that point. Yeah, during your teaching job, you know, 
What did you learn from that experience that was able to help you in your own experiences? Um, that was huge. I think teaching, what teaching does is it makes you look at yourself harder, harder than you look at your students. Um, you, I, I learned a whole lot about myself in regards to, to patience. I learned about, uh, you know, my abilities, um, my, my knowledge of music, my knowledge of theory. Um, so when you're teaching, like you're also continuously getting, you know, keeping yourself sharp. So what that caused me to do was, you know, I was picking up more theory books and I was kind of brushing the dust off of my, my theory and I'm brushing the dust off of my scales and, you know, different drills and all that stuff. Cause I'm like, yo, if I, if, if I'm up here rusty, I can't expect them to be progressing in any way. Um, and on top of that, you know, I was teaching that at a, uh, at a special ed school, uh, K through 12, I had high school kids. So, I mean, my kids were basically, um, they were all court appointed to be in that school. Um, a lot of them were in and out of jail. Um, every last one of them had lawyers. So, um, you know, with a lot of them, this was like their only connector to the school. Um, like I had a student one time, he had F's all up and down his report card, except he had an A in music because music was the only class he would come to. He was a drummer. He was good. And he would come to my class sixth period. He would leave to go back on the streets uh, seventh period. And it's funny because those are the kids, like I still keep in contact with him. Those are the kids that, you know, stick closely to you um, because they, you know, they, they understand that you, that you care and um, you know, they kind of see a value in you as well. So, I mean, I, I, I learned a whole lot um, working that, working that job. I also learned how, how the education system works and how much of a farce it is, but that's, I guess that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you were, you were, you had, to, you were teaching like those particular types of uh, kids who mm -hmm. were very much, in the streets, you know, getting in trouble, you know, what did you have to sort of learn or pick up to be able to handle, uh, you know, teaching these sort of kids? I think the, um, my number one thing with them was, um, just kind of showing you who you are early. Um, you know, a lot of those kids, they come from, they come from, uh, just ridiculous backgrounds. Cause I mean, I had, I had uh, learning disabled kids. I also had emotionally disabled kids. Um, a lot of kids with, uh, uh, you know, ADHD, all this, you know, all this kind of, all this kind of stuff. And they were just all lumped together, which is, you know, you just, you normally just don't even do that, but that's kind of crazy uh, that all that type of yeah. stuff is just lumped in together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, a lot of times LD kids will, will learn from ED kids and then they start becoming oppositely defined and all that kind of stuff. It's just, a, it's man, look, <laughs> we'll be here all day. Um, very much just, just be upfront with like my, my thing was upfront. Um, the first couple of days, um, was just kind of letting them know that, you know, this is, of course, this is a special ed school. A lot of times I think people, um, we're allowing them to kind of lean on, on, on those titles and all that kind of stuff. And I would tell them, I'd be like, yo, man, you're not, you're not special ed in my class. Like you guys are kids. Like I, I want to, you know, make sure that they, that they know that they're, they're regular. Like you guys are, you guys are regular. Um, 
you know, I would be like, you know, when you guys step out on that on that sidewalk, I was like, if if um, if a cop harasses you, if a cop arrests you, if if something happens, like they're not gonna want to see your IEP, they're not gonna want to know your your disability, like they're gonna treat you like anybody else. So when you come in here, you're gonna get treated like everybody else. And normally that would kind of bring the guard down a little bit, um, because you know they know that they that they're at that point they they're they're being cared for. Um, you know, I just I just it it was just, it was just a lot because you know I would kind of look at it in the perspective of a lot of these kids don't see positive black male role models like day to day throughout the week is not happening until they come into my class so you know i'm i'm here i'm i'm here like i'm here to talk with you if you're going through something you know maybe we don't need to play music today maybe we need to talk about what's going on if there's something going on in the school if there's like a fight that's brewing there's some beef that's brewing like let's let's talk it out like let's let's get it out let's talk about some solutions you know it would be it was it was more of a life class with a with a music foundation, basically. So you know um, when like teachers are are, are severely severely underrated, um, particularly in that type of setting, um, it uh it wears it wears on you emotionally as a, as a, um you know just just day in and day out because I mean you know you I, I saw a lot in that in that place and. You know, to this day, when I'm in the car, like I barely listen to music anymore because, you know, when you were in there, it was just it was just noise, just all the time. And then I would have to just take, you know, I had to I'd have to come away from that and just be in a silent space. Um, but I mean, all in all, man, um, you know, like I said with the with the with the student that I talked about a couple minutes ago, you know, I still keep in touch with a, with a handful of students, and and that was what we're going on, I think seven years now. So, um, you know, I've, I've seen music cause the, you know, uh, cause these kids to do complete one eighties. I've seen it with my own eyes and it's incredible. Um, I wouldn't be in the classroom now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, you know, I still, I still do workshops with kids. I still do, um, I still do master classes with, uh, with adults. So, I mean, education is still something that I, um, continue to implement, um, you know, even in my career now. Whether it was being in that class setting or even doing your music now, do you feel that it's sort of, you sort of have a duty or just even a want to be that sort of black role model for people out there? That's a good question. Um, I think that I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, um, Absolutely, because I mean, I, I would want I would want kids to um, to 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 follow me and and you know as far as uh, you know work ethic or or you know presentation, good music, um, you know, or even uh, you know how how I play, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I, I definitely um, I definitely think it. I mean, it's 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 all encompassing. I think as far as just being. Uh, I don't know. That sounds weird, but I guess being in, being in the public, being in the public eye, if that even makes sense, I really don't consider myself to be any type of famous dude, but, um, you know, I, I, 
I would love to, I, you know, I would love to continue to, to be that for people. Absolutely. Yeah. I know during that time when you were a teacher, um, I know you had some fun times during that. Cause I, I know you used to, uh, share the little funny stories that would go on in man, class. Man. <laughs> you could have wrote a book of, of all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I actually still can, man. Um, you know, it was, it, it was, it was hilarious. And I mean, you know, it wasn't anything where I was like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, while I was like calling, you know, calling the kids by name or anything like that. It was just, you know, some of the quotes, man, I still got them up on, on my site. I think, um, some of the quotes were just, just hilarious. I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, man. <laughs> I think that was, yeah, that's yeah, something a, that I really, uh, I really have always liked about you. You've always had a sense of humor about everything. Uh, you've yeah. always, whenever it's, whether it's, you know, just the way that you, uh, you know, portray yourself either online or in person or even during the shows, you know, the stuff that like you and Fonte and Nick will do on stage at the foreign exchange shows will be hilarious. You know, how important was it always to have the sense of humor about everything? Um, it's very important, man. It's, it's really important, particularly in, in music. And I think that's why a lot of, um, especially musicians have, uh, just a crazy sense of humor. A lot of times, you know, I can go to, you know, any city USA and get with some musicians and, you know, within five minutes, we're just cracking jokes on each other um, as if we grew up with each other. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's something that just, it, it keeps the, uh, it keeps the stress off. Um, you know, I, you, you know, you know, as well as I do, you know, in particular, like with, you know, with running like Ren Soul, um, you know, there's a lot of stressors, man. There's a lot of just unnecessary, just, bullshit man and and you know sometimes you just gotta you, you just gotta keep a smile on man and 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 laugh and make people laugh i mean it's it's um it's always been who i who who i've been it's uh um you know it's it's just uh it's a personality thing and i think a lot of times when you see us on stage or anything you know it, you're basically getting a a, a a looking glass in on how we are all the time like this is this is what it is. Like we're bringing our family to you. You get to see us cut up live, you know, and, and in color, you know, if, if me and Carmen are on stage and we're bantering back and forth or, you know, cutting on each other and all like, that's how, we, that's how we do. Like it's, it's, it's fun. And it's even more fun, you know, sometimes when you get to have an audience that sees you and it's like, Oh man, they, they just like us. They just like me and my crew, we, you know, we cut on each other all the time. So, you know, it's very, very relatable, but I mean, it's, it's super natural, man. Very natural. For a while now, you've long been an integral part of the, the foreign exchange family with yeah. uh, Nicolay and Fonte. You know, when did you, when did that first sort of happen that you were, uh, you know, brought into the fold to be able to make music with them, doing your own projects and to be, you know, performing and doing music with the foreign exchange? That, that piece happened in 07. I met, I met Fonte Ironically, at the Blind Pig, um, little brother had a show. Um, I think it was like September. Me and me and dates. I'm like Rain Man. It was like <laughs> September of '05, and uh, I mean that's the day I met. That's the day I met Fonte. I think I met D Brock that day, and I think I met Pooh that day as well. Um, but you know, I just went. I went to the show because at the time, if you remember, I had the uh, Redefinition album out. Right. So 
um, redefinition had two little brother remixes on it. So obviously I'm a little brother fan. So I'm like, yo, I, I think I, I had heard that, that, uh, Fonte had heard the remixes. So I was basically just going to the show just to check it out. Um, I knew the L's I was going to be on it. So I wanted, I wanted to hear that. Um, so go check out the show, say what's up to Tay, you know, appreciate you listening to the remixes. And I was about to, and I was going to bounce. So I ended up, um, saying what's up to Fonte afterward. And I'm like, yo, man, I'm so blah, blah, blah. He was like, yo, I, I know who you are. And I was like, word. And so we just kind of started talking. Um, I think he said that he he had my album on his iPod already. And we exchanged information. And literally three months later was when we was when um, I sent him the stepping out joint for my first just visiting for him to sing for him to sing the hook. I can't even remember why I asked him to sing the hook and not to rap on something, but um, he uh, he he was feeling that. I think he sent it back like the next day, and that's the first time we worked together. So after that, it was um, oh, what was it? Was it Africa? I'm trying to remember, but I know the I know the big thing was um, the big thing was him asking me to. Um, to do if she breaks your heart for the foreign exchanges album uh, on leave it all behind. And um, so I ended up, I ended up doing that, which is a, a Stevie wonder remake ended up doing that. Nicolay did the second half where it kind of does, has the Latin feel. And then um, at right, like right after that was when we did uh, when everything is new, because when everything is new was supposed to be an, an intro for my upcoming album. Like he had sent the hook and all that stuff. When everything is young, fresh, and new, he sent me the hook. And then uh, I think Pooh heard it and wanted it for Little Brother's album. So uh, Fonte hit me and was like, yo, man, you want, um, yo, can we use it for the Little I was like, hell yeah, you can use it for the Little Brother. Y'all going to get it further than I am. Um, so they ended up using it for that. And then, but it was in particular, it was particularly after the foreign exchange, If She Breaks Your Heart joint. Um, I remember having a conversation with Tay and he was like, yo, when we, when we go out on the road, we want to do it differently. Like we want to have a band and you know, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know if it's going to be like Nicolay DJing and you playing keys or, you know, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we want you on the road with us. And I was like, man, just let me know. And so probably about a year after that, I mean, we started rehearsing here, uh, in DC in my classroom and, uh, we were we started going on the road. We had our first show in uh, New York City at the Highline Ballroom in November of '08. Damn, damn near ten years ago. Dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it pretty much that's how it started, and, and it pretty much just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, the foreign exchange has become a very. They've been able to be a very groundbreaking, independent entity for, you know, soul music over these past 10 plus years, and then you were yeah. already on your journey. How did that experience linking up with them sort of help what you were doing? What did you learn from that whole experience? I think it was a, I think it was a kind of a partnership made in heaven type of thing. Um, you know, I don't know what forces <laughs> brought that together. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I have to, uh, I have to give give glory to the Most High for that one, just because I mean it, it. It was very much hand in glove. I think. Um, I think just even with 
when we started working on um because we started working on the 80s album pretty much immediately um which damn you know what in like a week and a half that'll be t- a 10 year old album good god um but yeah we started working on that pretty much immediately then we started working on um just visiting two which led into sunstorm and it's just it's just crazy man like i mean our work ethics are the same me me and fonte um you know we keep the same hours we're both night owls um so i mean working on albums and working on projects is nothing i mean it's nothing for for me to get a 4 a.m text and answer it uh it's nothing for him to get a you know a 3 a.m call and and answer it and you know we're just we're just there working we're, we're normally on the same page with everything um it's been super easy um and you know just like how I describe, you know, our humor on stage, like our working together is very, very, very natural. Um, and even with even with Nicolay, like we started, he and I started getting in the studio here pretty much annually, kind of semi-annually. And, uh, you know, with the two of us just being the, the producers, the, the you know, the, the cats on the production side, we didn't know what that was going to look like. So we just kind of got in the studio, played around, and, you know, next thing you know, here comes uh, Tales in the Land of Milk and Honey that we did together. So, I mean, it was, it's it's really been, I don't know, man, it's it's been kind of perfect. Like, the the working relationship and the chemistry is has been crazy because, I mean, not only are, are they, uh, my working partners, you know, these are my, my, um, uh, my competitors, um, you know, these are my brothers, man. Like these are my, these are my dudes. You know, if I'm in, if I'm in North Carolina, you know, we, we, we get up, we have some food and all that, you know, it's, it's, it's dope. It's been kind of perfect. After all these years, you know, musically, what things about it all do you feel like you're the most comfortable with? And then what parts of it do you feel like you're always still learning? Always most comfortable in the studio always most comfortable in the studio that I always say that that's the, that's the fun part. The fun part is creating. Um, the fun part is releasing the music, uh, among the people and, and watching their reactions, um, watching, you know, your stuff start trending and, you know, that's like releasing new music will, will never get old to me. Never, ever, ever. ever. Um, I think the place that I'm still learning is 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 the business side, and I say that because um, it's it's ever evolving. Like, you know, from from Sunstorm, which is now almost eight years ago, to Man Made to Skybreak, um, we don't even approach releasing the albums the same anymore. Um, you know, I, re- I remember with with Sunstorm coming out. You know, all these I'm doing all these different interviews for all these different like blogs and all this. You know, it was it was crazy. And then Man May came out and that kind of happened a little less. And then you kind of, you know, start seeing a little bit of streaming stuff. And, you know, that all that stuff becomes a little, you know, it's 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 foreign. Um, And then when Skybreak came out, you know, there weren't really any blog interviews and, um, you know, folks weren't really checking for like videos. It's just, it's really strange, man. Um, you know, the streaming sites are, streaming sites are dope. Like I don't have anything really against streaming, um, 
I really would like for them to um, learn how to pay out their artists. Um, but I, I love the fact that due to streaming, you're able to get to new ears. Um, you know, people who, you know, like this, you know, there's, there's always like artists similar to, to this one, you know, up underneath what you're listening to. So you can check out some other stuff and, uh, you know, maybe get put on to somebody new. So I love, I love that. I love that. But I mean, this, this business is so un, it's so unpredictable, man. Um, you know, the, there's stuff that trends and it doesn't trend for long. So you have to kind of keep up, keep up with the times and, and like keeping your ear to the street now is, is so much more important than it was even 10 years ago. Um, just because like I said, everything is just, it's, it's ever evolving, man. It's ever evolving. So, I mean, I'm always a student to, uh, to the business side of, of, of music, even the, uh, even the touring side, the touring side is a, is a pain in the ass too, especially, uh, since I'm pushing 40. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I've, um, how are you sort of, you know, swimming these musical waters these days, 2018? Because I feel with, like, everything you just said, and then when mm -hmm. you sort of take into account that, like, with social media, all the, like, the yeah. new algorithms mean you have to pay for <sighs> exposure and whatnot, that it's almost like, uh, like you said, keeping your ear to the street, that we're, we're going to have yeah. to all go back to flyering parking lots again. I mean, I mean, really, I've, I've actually thought about it. And, you know, I really don't want to go that route because uh, – you know, nobody likes to walk out, <laughs> walk out to a flyer in their car. <clears throat> um, so I think what I what I do now, man, is I stick really close to my to my fan base. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of times when we go out of town, you know, we know who we're gonna see. We know them normally by name. Um, if we don't know them by name, we know them by face. Um, because you know, after we after we come off stage, we're we're in the crowd. We're in the crowd and we're, you know, we're selling merch. We're taking pictures. We're signing stuff. Um, you know, and what I like to do is, you know, I like to encourage our core fan base, you know, bring somebody new, like bring somebody new out who's never seen the show so that that way we can spread. And, you know, we're, we're spreading still organically. Um, another thing that we, that at least me and Carmen have, have started to want to do more is to do more, um, more opening slots so that, um, you know, we're able to grow our fan base that way. Um, you know, if we're aligned with somebody like a, like a Kendrick, the family soul or Eric Roberson, you know, these cats, these cats who have, you know, uh, wider bases than we, than, uh, we do. And we're able to get in front of those, uh, those people, um, that's another way to kind of kind of spread organically. So, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, that algorithm thing, man. Just really, that's that's a bitch. <laughs> that's that's man. I mean, you can't even put. It's even buzzwords. You can't you can't put like the word tickets in your in your uh, in your post, and they'll you know they'll kind of slam it down. So it's just it's it's just crazy, man. You know, I don't feel like being in front of a camera all the time, and I don't want to be the dude who take selfies all day and, you know, and got a caption underneath it that has nothing to do with your face. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's social media is really becoming fucking annoying, man. <laughs> it really has, man. Just a couple of years ago, you were able to like post something, get like, I don't know, a few hundred or a thousand likes yeah. on, on yeah. Facebook. Now you get like five, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's really frustrating, man. And I mean, who, 
who has the money if you're not even an independent uh, artist? If you're just a person, uh, you know, paying everything out of pocket, who has the money every time you do a show to to sponsor, you know, to sponsor something and then strategically place the text? Like you can't have more than twenty percent text on your on your on your flyer and all. like it's just it's my God, yo, like. Stop taking money out of our pockets, man. Just let us at least get a platform. And you're, spe- you know, when you're talking about your fan base and the people that come to your shows, you know, I know a lot about that firsthand with the uh, sort of, because when it comes to the foreign exchange, I've uh, opened up as a DJ for the foreign exchange shows since 2011. And what right. I can easily say is that the foreign exchange fan base, the fan base that you have, the fan base that, uh, for sort of adjacent artists are very open-minded. They just want to have fun and they just want to have a good time at these shows, but they are definitely open-minded in regards to hearing new music. Yeah, very, very much so. And that's what we like. Um, you know, we have a very, very dedicated listening um, fan base, man. And, I mean, I figure anyway, if, they, if they're listening to us, then they're already open. They're already open-minded. Um, you know, I, I, and I, I love that. So that means that when we're creating, you know, there's really nothing that we can't experiment with. Like we, you know, we experimented with the, the straight-ahead house joint on, uh, on Tails with asking, asking for a friend. That didn't sound like anything else that, that Effie had put out. Um, you know, I... I've experimented with, you know, kind of stripped down piano drums with like Lake Erie, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's different directions that we can, that we can go in and still not fake out our fans. Like they'll still be right there with us. And that's dope. Like I, that's, that's, that's dope. That's, that's fun. Yeah. And before, you know, before I let you go uh, today, I definitely have to, uh, to bring up the, the infamous, um, uh, whack demo collection that you have oh man 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 <laughs> i haven't added to it in a minute I, I'm, i've been slacking um, but but tell everybody what that is okay the the um the whack demo collection is basically it, it's called the whack it's called the whack museum um <laughs> and it was it it start it started off as a it started off as a joke because um I had, I had so many, like, I had so many CDs in my possession and like, you know, you know, you, you hand somebody a CD and and they were like, yeah, I'll listen to it, whatever, whatever. But the thing is like, we really listen to it. Like we really, if you hand us something, like we'll really listen to it. If you, if, and I'm not soliciting that. So, I mean, you know, don't flood us with shit, but. Right. <laughs> I mean, we we will we will listen just to just to check it out because a lot of t- a lot of times you know folks will talk it up, they talk talk talk, and then we be like, yo man, the ones that be talking the most like that shit's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> always, <laughs> always. <laughs> so you know we listen to it, and so I just started I just started collecting it, and and, and you know it's not it's not everything, man. It's you know it's, like I said, it's it's. It's all a part of the, the the sense of humor. It's just like you know, sometimes you sometimes you get some stuff that's special, man. <laughs> and, 
sometimes you get some special stuff and you just got to keep it. You just got to keep it to the side, man. And it's, you know, it just, it just lands in that, lands in that playlist. It's, it's pretty funny, man. It's, it's, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> great. great. Uh, I'm surprised you remember that. That's funny. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> we've had, we've had a few conversations. Uh, yeah. I, I know, I know uh, Tate from the Gorilla Funk Mod would always bring it up to me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, that that has brought multiple, multiple laughs. That used to be like my my studio initiation. Like when I would have somebody, somebody new in the studio, like I would be like, yo, man, before we move forward, like you gotta listen to like four jams. And I would play them some 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 selections from the from the WAG Museum and we just be it just you know, it's an icebreaker, man. You just kinda get folks doubling over in, in laughter. What what better way to 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 break the tension than to run some whack shit? Right. Yeah. Before. Yeah. As we uh, close this interview a bit, what I want to uh, ask you is that what would be something a lesson that that anybody who's listening to this uh, interview <laughs> could sort of extract from your career, from your life, and sort of apply it to their own life and be able to easily that it would be easily transferable. Um, I would say, uh, I'm trying to say some shit without being cliche as hell. Um, (laughs) (laughs) like I, I have it, but I, I I don't want to sound like a fucking meme, but basically, um, basically in short, just, just, just keep going. A lot of people, I get approached by a lot of people who either say, you know, they, are waiting for the right time to to start their own business. They're waiting for the right time to do such and such, such and such. Um, I used to play um, piano, but I stopped because of blah blah blah, whatever, whatever. Um, my thing is, man, just 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 keep going, man. Like you really have to keep going. Um, a lot of times we quit before something huge happens. Um, in which, you know, none of us know when that's going to happen, but it's like, I'd rather try than not, than, than to never know. You know what I mean? Like if you have a, if you, if you have a business that you're, you're trying to get, get cracking, um, you know, at least start with like the paperwork or start with, um, you know, your LLC or start with your website or so, you know, start somewhere. So to kind of get, get yourself moving, man. Cause you just, you, you never know. Like if 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 um if you would have told me 15 years ago that this is what I would have been doing full time, I'd have told you you was fucking nuts. <laughs> so you know what I mean. It's, and it's just it's just because you know you you remain persistent. You start to see goals that you never know you you, uh, you were able to hit. Um, you start to garner support from folks that you never knew were even paying attention to you. Um, Funny enough, it's usually from them and <laughs> not not from folks who's close to closest to you. But never mind that. But just you know, just keep going, keep keep going after 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 your dream, man. Like it's it's really never it's really never too late. Like I know that's cliche as hell, but it's it's never too late. Like if you want to learn an instrument, it's not too late. You just have to find the time and the and the work ethic, and you can knock it out. Like trust me. Yeah, I think those are all things that all of us 
still are trying to grasp and learn and yeah. whatnot. That you know, some, sometimes if if something that you're doing isn't hitting, I don't know, keep going or change it up a little bit. All of our art <clears throat> matters in some way, so just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I tell folks all the time, like even when teaching like individual lessons, I always say that we as adults we outthink ourselves out of everything. Like we outthink ourselves out of growing. Um, so, you know, just, I don't know, you kind of have to, sometimes you have to form tunnel vision to, uh, to get to where you're going. Um, but yeah, like you, like you said, just keep, keep it going, man. Keep it going because you, you know, you never know. You never know. I always uh, end all my interviews with the same question. Who is somebody <clears throat> that's been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview that would have some great stories or lessons to talk about? Uh, Carmen Rogers. She might, she might be a good one. Have you done Wajid yet? I haven't done Wajid yet. I've talked to him about it, but uh, we still haven't just gotten in the same place at the same time to do it. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely on the list. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I, I know, I know Z would have some shit. I know, for, I know for sure. Um, uh, Monica Blair would be another one. Oh, definitely. Um, huh. And you sent me this before, and I said that I was going to have some prepared answers, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you it's sent me good. this, man, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing it. I don't know. You just named uh, three great ones, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. So I'm off. I'm off the hook. All right. You are off the hook. All right. Before (laughs) we uh, get out of here, where can people find more information about what you're doing online? Um, Usually everything is under the Zo35 moniker. So Z O, the number three H R E E, the number five I V E, and that's uh, dot com. That's at Twitter, at Instagram, uh, and also I think you can put it on. Facebook now, you can put at Zo35 and, and have my page come up as well. So Awesome. It's been uh, great talking with you, man. It's been uh, known you for a long time. Always been a great person to know. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And, and I'm not going to say how long we've known each other, but it has been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right, then we start telling our ages. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> as long as you don't start feeling it, you you good. <laughs> that was my interview with Zoe. More information about Zoe, tour dates, and how you can listen to the music will be up on the show notes on the website at freshthepodcast.com. And on to the freshest word fresh pick of the week. Usually each episode's pick is a current release, but for this episode, we're going to go back to a special album celebrating its 20-year anniversary. It's Four Heroes' major label debut, Two Pages, from 1998. Four Hero, comprised of musician producers Mark Mack and Digo, released an album in two pages that would break down all the barriers at that time, musically, spiritually, and lyrically. It was their third Four Hero album, and the duo from London had already solidified themselves within the UK electronic music scene in the 1990s, producing music that spanned all sorts of genres, specifically drum and bass and breakbeats. With two pages, Mark Mack and Digo, produce something new, something that felt uplifting, and something that breathed new air into electronic music. Two Pages was as much hip-hop as it was drum and bass, and was as much soul as it was jazz. It was spoken word as much as it was a whole cinematic score. 
two pages was both a genre defining and a genre defying album that will forever leave its mark. The album in mostly of its entireties is on all the streaming sites, I believe. Um, I did link the YouTube streaming on the case notes at freshestofpodcast.com. So definitely go give it a listen. And if you can, go find the vinyl or the CD for this for your collection. I definitely feel like this is something that you need in your collection. Four Hero, Two Pages, classic album, period. Now that's it for another episode of Fresh is the Word. Before we get out of here, I definitely want to remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always subscribe to Fresh is the Word on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn. Just type in Fresh is the Word and the podcast will come up. And please leave a review and a rating. And if I do see that you left one, I'll definitely read it on the show. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh and on Facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh. And you can follow Fresh is the Word online on Twitter at FITW Podcast, on Instagram at Fresh is the Word Podcast, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast. Well, that was another show. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.